Welcome to the Buckets Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Champion. Use my SeatGeek code BUCKETCENTER for $20 off your first purchase, tickets to games, concerts, etc. Today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about the first couple nights of the NBA, just my thoughts and breakdowns. I'm so happy basketball is back, man. It's been such a long time, and we're finally back, ready to go. And we're going to start off talking about the Pelicans game. We're going to talk about a bunch of different games. Can't get to all 30 teams around the league, but I'm going to get to as many as I can. We'll start with the Pelicans and Alvin Gentry. Just terrible rotations that cost the Pelicans a home loss uh, on opening night to the Toronto Raptors. Again, congratulations to the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. They got their rings. And Van Fleet and Siakam came to play. They hooped. They got the dub. But a major reason why the Pelicans were winning by most of this game, they were winning this game. Um, but the reason they lost was they benched Lonzo for most of the third and fourth quarter. And they brought him back for the overtime period, but he just had absolutely no rhythm after being on the bench for that long. He had eight points, five rebounds, five assists, and 25 minutes of play. He really needs to be playing closer to 35 minutes a game. He's the main centerpiece that you got in the trade with Anthony Davis. Obviously, you got a draft pick, you got Brandon Ingram, you got Josh Hart, but the guy that's going to make everything go for the Pelicans is Lonzo Ball, the dude that's got the ball in his hands, making all the plays, especially when Zion gets back. Lonzo's going to be a key part of this basketball team, and he's got to play more minutes than just 25. He was really in a rhythm and a flow in the first half of the game, making some nice touch passes, some nice passes in transition. And he was shooting pretty well from the three-point line. He missed a couple shots at the end that ruined his efficiency. But his jump shot was looking a lot better. He was perfect from the free-throw line. And he was really showing his basketball IQ and just his his ability to impact the game on both ends of the floor. So he really needed to be out there for the Pels. Also, J.J. Redick and Derek Favors were being benched for critical parts of this game down the stretch which was just really strange. I was just so confused with the rotations that Gentry was running because the Raptors are running basically an eight-man rotation. And Gentry was out there with like 12, 13 guys. And it was just really weird how he he really split up the minutes there. He's got to be better when it comes to the rotations. Uh, Josh Hart in his first game with the Pelicans, a double-double, 15 points and 10 boards. That was good to see. And Brandon Ingram, 22 points. Five rebounds and five assists. The efficiency wasn't great, but still a really nice showing for B.I. All the new Pelicans former Lakers came in there and really did their thing and made their imprint from game one. They're obviously missing Zion Williamson, which is really going to hurt their chances of making the playoffs. Also a very young team, so I think they're going to just miss the playoffs, like I said before my prediction. Um, But they would love to see Zion back on the court. Hopefully everything's going well with him. But first game and the first L for the New Orleans Pelicans, and then the Raptors getting on track with the dub in their first game. Next up, the second game of opening night, the Lakers and the Clippers. This was the marquee game that everyone was looking forward to, and it really met expectations. It was a really close and competitive game throughout the entirety of it. Obviously, the Lakers lost the game, and it was very disappointing to see how their two main superstars performed Uh, But the game was still close. Danny Green hit some crazy shots to keep the Lakers in that basketball game. But let's talk about the two superstars, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I was very disappointed with LeBron James. Even though he almost had a triple-double, he was very inefficient from the field. He wasn't aggressive enough uh, down the stretch of this game. I felt like he was trying to give Anthony Davis the ball a lot. He does this a lot early in the season where he's just trying to figure out 
uh, how his new team is playing. He's trying to get other guys involved, and he's just really just seeing the floor and just uh, trying to find a rhythm and, and making sure that these other guys, uh, he can see what he has in these other guys. And Anthony Davis himself was settling for too many fadeaway jumpers, in my opinion, not enough bully ball. And even though LeBron was giving him the ball in the post, it was a lot of post isolation. They weren't running enough pick and rolls. And you got to, like when you have LeBron James, the best playmaker in the NBA, and you have AD, the best big man, it just makes sense to do pick and rolls and do them a lot. So I would love to see more pick and rolls between those two. Isolation, not as much for these guys. They're not as much of isolation players. AD really is at his best when someone's giving him the ball um, to go to work, either with a lob above the rim or just a pocket pass or something like that. So, And Davis's efficiency wasn't great either. He was uh, missing a lot of jump shots, which hopefully will improve. Again, like I say, he's not a great jump shooter like a lot of people think he is, but he can definitely be better than he was last night. Uh, Lakers clearly were missing another playmaker and shot creator, more so off the bench. Um, and they got outscored, I believe it was 60-19 to 19 with bench points. We know how deep the Los Angeles Clippers are. We'll get to the Clippers in a second. But the Lakers bench just did not show up. They clearly missed Rondo, who could be that playmaker for them. And then Kyle Kuzma, who can be that shot creator uh, off the bench. Those guys will kind of fill some of that void that they were missing with the second unit. Um, and there, there's been rumors that from Frank Vogel's perspective, maybe Ronda will come back and start at the point guard. A lot of people saying LeBron James can't play a full game at point guard. I actually like LeBron James at point guard. I just think that when LeBron James is not on the floor, they need another playmaker and they need to go with a guy like Rondo who can be that for him. I also did not like the rotations. Uh, that Frank Vogel was using. I know it's just the first game of the season, and maybe I'm a little bit too hard on these coaches after one game. They're just trying to figure out things early on in the season. It is the opening games of the regular season. Uh, but there was a lot of times out there in the game when you had Contavious Caldwell Pope in for, for 27 minutes out of a game, and he scored zero points, and he was just getting torched by Kawhi Leonard and why he was guarding Kawhi Leonard I have absolutely no idea there's no reason he should be guarding the best basketball player on the planet Kawhi was taking him to school giving him all the animations like a and one mixtape bro it it was insane what Kawhi was doing to KCP Uh, but the fact that he played 27 minutes and did not produce anything on either end of the floor just really boggles my mind um, and then obviously there were stretches late in the first quarter where LeBron and AD were both on the bench. That should never happen for the Lakers. They need, they're so reliant on LeBron James and Anthony Davis that you have to have one or the other on the floor at all times. It makes no sense to have a lineup out there. We don't have either one of them. If Rondo's back and Kuzma's back, I think the way you stagger the minutes is when AD goes to the bench, you have Kuzma out there with LeBron. And then when LeBron goes to the bench, you have Rondo out there with AD because Rondo and AD's game really complement each other. Kuzma can be that bucket getter alongside LeBron. So that's how they're going to play that out. Uh, And I do think those are going to be two big key guys for the Lakers to get. So a lot of people that are panicking about the Los Angeles Lakers are not a team that can go deep in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. You're worried. Let's really see what this Lakers team is made of. Uh, when they get Kuzma back and when they get Rondo back. But on to the Clippers. They're doing all this without Paul George, without their second superstar. 
a great two-way player in his own right. And they're the clear championship favorites. As I said before, going into this season, they're my pick to win the championship. And it's mainly because of their defense, depth, and coaching, which is what we saw from them in these first two games of the season. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in basketball. Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell are the top two six-man-of-the-year guys last year. So you have two six-men-of-the-year coming off of your bench. You have Kawhi Leonard, who is arguably the best basketball player on the planet. I think he is, and it's getting less and less arguable. Uh, LeBron's really got to do a lot to, to get that thrown back. Right now it's looking like it's Kawhi Leonard. Um, and then when Paul George comes back, you're literally going to have the best wing defender at the point guard position, at the shooting guard position, and at the small forward position. Your perimeter defense is going to be elite. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, so you look at it from that perspective, it's how do you really beat this team? It's going to be very, very hard. And LeBron and AD being the best duo in the league, and if they're role players and they can get some more production off their bench, it's just a lot of things that are going to have to go right for the Lakers for them to beat the Clippers in a best out of seven series. That's why I have the Clippers being the favorites. And even without Paul George through two games, they are showing what they're capable of. And Kawhi, like I said, looking like the MVP I predicted him to be before the season. And he's really taken that uh, title, really, as the best basketball player on the planet, which he did uh, in the postseason last year. LeBron James was obviously missing the playoffs because of injuries and a variety of other factors with that Lakers roster. But Kawhi took the opportunity he was presented with, and he took off with it, leading Toronto to their first NBA championship in their franchise history, which is extremely impressive. Uh, and then now what he's doing this year, he only played 21 minutes, uh, I believe it was, last night. But he, he's still hooping after two games on both sides of the ball. Um, they took care of arguably their two biggest threats in the Western Conference. Obviously, Golden State didn't have Klay Thompson. Draymond got hurt. We'll get into Golden State in a bit. But really, if you look at it, a fully healthy Golden State team and the Lakers are really their only significant threats uh, in the Western Conference. So injuries we'll talk about for Golden State. It could really ruin their season, like I said before, like what happened with the Lakers last year. The Warriors could be a team that misses the playoffs because of just all these injuries, even though if they got to their full potential with Steph Curry, if you're talking about having Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, that could be a team that's battling to make the Western Conference Finals like I thought the Lakers could too with LeBron James if everyone was healthy and grooving, which we saw uh, that Christmas Day game, and leading up to that, the Lakers were looking really, really good. But the Golden State Warriors had a really rough home opener. Again, it's only one game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard ended Oracle Arena with a dub and a championship, and he begins to chase center with a blowout uh, over the Golden State Warriors. I still think they can be like a 45-ish win team without Clay. It's looking more and more likely that Klay Thompson may miss more time than we thought he was going to miss. And that's not a good sign for the Golden State Warriors. Steve Kerr said something about him being out the whole year. He retracted that statement. He said there's still a chance uh, that we could see him again. But they're going to need Klay Thompson out there on the court. Draymond Green got hurt uh, yesterday as well. He did come back in the game. He was all right. But any injury to a significant member of their core is going to be absolutely devastating just because you look at their lack of bench depth as it is right now and you're talking about Draymond missing even like five games or let's say like D'Angelo has to miss like two games like those small things can really add up especially in the Western Conference and all these elite teams that we have 
So the Golden State Warriors, and, and they got Steph Curry out there. Obviously, he's a tier one player, like I said, but he did not have a great game whatsoever. Eight turnovers. He did not shoot well from the field. Yes, the Clippers defense, especially on that perimeter, like I said, very few players are going to have great games against the Los Angeles Clippers. We saw LeBron James struggle. We saw AD struggle, and we saw Steph Curry struggle. Um, and those are three top six whatever players in the league going up against the Clippers. Their defense is going to be crazy. Um, but Steph Curry is going to have to go crazy each and every night for the Golden State Warriors to be competitive or potentially even win basketball games. So I still think they can make the playoffs, but you these injuries start to pile up and we're having a different conversation with the Golden State Warriors. Um, Milwaukee, they had a slow start in their game versus the Houston Rockets, but they dominated down the stretch, or more specifically, Giannis Antetokounmpo dominated with a 30-point efficient triple-double, and he made a statement, man, I am the MVP, I'm the reigning MVP, I deserve the MVP over you, and I'm going to take it to you in your house, and then James Harden just let him do it, he was complaining about being robbed of the MVP, but he was embarrassed last night, he got upstaged by the real MVP, okay, and two for 18 from the field is just not going to do it. His shot selection was horrendous. New Year, same James Harden to me, man. And as dangerous as he is as a free throw shooter, getting to the line, drawing contact, I would take him as a free throw shooter over a three-point shooter. Because really, I don't understand why people are going for his pump fakes or when he's leaning in to try to draw contact. I don't know why you're going, you're jumping up to contest that shot and potentially risking landing on him and and causing a foul to take him to the line. I would rather have James Harden taking these contested step-back threes, leaning in, trying to draw contact. I would rather have that over him going to the free throw line. If he's making those shots, it's just going to be a tough day. Just get your hand up. Don't jump, though. Don't don't make it a situation where you could potentially foul him. I would much rather live with him taking all those to me, bad shots on the step back three. James Harden's a really good step back three point shooter, and he can get into a rhythm. Um, but I wouldn't say he's an elite three point shooter. I just wouldn't. You look at the percentages and his shot selection. I would not say he's an elite shooter. So I'd rather have him take those shots and giving him free throws. He was ten of ten from the free throw line, or actually, I believe fourteen for fourteen, fourteen for fourteen from the free throw line. Um, and, and he, like I said, two for eighteen from the field so not a great showing whatsoever um from James Harden uh Russell Westbrook was incredible he played with pace he found the open man he shot pretty efficiently from the three-point line to 43 percent he kept Houston in the game with a huge fourth quarter performance so for Russell Westbrook as a first game for the Houston Rockets I thought he was better than James Harden for sure in last night's game um and, and it was just a great showing for him I'm wondering, though, with this with this team, like I said before, why I don't think this is going to work in the playoffs and stuff like this is they're both putting up good all-around stats, but these are two efficient, inefficient guys. When we're talking about their playmaking and their scoring, they're just not efficient basketball players. And it looks like this could be a situation where, depending on the night, one of the two is just not going to have a good game when it comes to efficiency and turning the ball over. So that's something to watch with the Houston Rockets. But they were finding the open man. They were hitting some threes. Their role players, Tyson Chandler, had a big second quarter. So, I mean, the Rockets had some positive things to take away from this game. 
But again, down the stretch, they choked. Giannis Antetokounmpo fouled out with like five minutes left, and they still had a chance to win that basketball game. But Brooke Lopez, Ursan Ilyasova, those guys were beating them down the stretch of the game, which is just not encouraging for a team that I already wonder how are they going to close games, how are they going to be in high-pressure big moments, and they did not respond in the home opener at home. Um, and then the last game I really wanted to touch on was Kyrie Irving. Um, he dropped an efficient 50-piece in the first 50-piece of the season with zero turnovers and seven assists. Uh, they lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves at home, despite Kyrie Irving being a plus 18 in that game. And obviously, Jared Allen missed two crucial free throws down the stretch of that game. Kyrie Irving fell down, then had to get back up and still had a good look uh, for the last shot, but he just could not convert. But it was just a great game for Kyrie. And then Andrew Wiggins, literally, he hit some good shots down the stretch for the Wolves. But he was just 10 for 27 from the field. He had a minus 26 plus minus for the game. And the game is so close. Minus 26 is crazy. Plus 18 for Kyrie is also crazy. But again, what I'm seeing so far this season is we're seeing these players are, are really what we saw them to be last year. And really, there's a small percentage of the league that's going to really take a jump or be better or do something differently. But what I'm seeing from guys like Wiggins, guys like Harden, uh, Kyrie Irving, what I'm seeing is these guys are doing the same type of stuff we know that they're used to doing. We know that they're capable of doing. Um, and then specifically with Kemba Walker and the Boston Celtics, obviously Celtics fans were talking about, oh, Kemba's going to come in here, better chemistry, is going to fit better. No, I literally was telling people, literally Kemba Walker is just a worse version of Kyrie Irving. He's the same guy that's going to shoot the ball first. He can play make. And maybe because, like I said before, he hasn't really had that experience of being an NBA champion, of hitting big-time shots and big moments, being a closer in the finals in these later rounds. Kemba has less experience than these young guys on the Boston Celtics, so he's going to defer to them a little bit more. But still, I don't know if that's going to make their team better because he just doesn't have the basketball talent that Kyrie Irving did. And so while Kyrie was dropping his 58 and 7 on 17 for 33, 7 to 14 for three point range, 9 to 10 from the free throw line, Kemba was dropping 12 points, two rebounds, two assists on four for 18, shooting one of six from three point land and three or four from the free throw line. So Kemba Walker did not have a great opening game. Yes, it was against the Philadelphia 76ers. And yes, both basketball players lost the game. And it's just one game. I understand that. But Kemba Walker, he, he's just more inefficient. And he, and he doesn't get as many buckets. And he hasn't proven to be as clutch in big moments because he really hasn't had the opportunity to be in these same big moments as Kyrie Irving. So all these Celtics fans are super optimistic for what Kemba can bring to the table. Yes, he's a good player. Yes, he's going to get buckets. Yes, he's going to help the team. He's the best player. But uh, my expectations would not be uh, as grand as a lot of y'all are. And y'all are bashing Kyrie. But I just want to know what's going to happen when Kemba comes in here. Are you going to blame Kemba in the same way? Because these young players are, are just not who you guys think they are, especially Jalen Brown. This man, Jalen Brown, is going to get paid $29 million a season. Jalen Brown, I don't, I do not understand it. I personally think at this moment, Marcus Smart is a better basketball player than Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart at least knows his role. He was an All Defensive Team caliber player. 
Um, and offensively, he can make plays. He's a far better playmaker than Jalen Brown, who has more career turnovers than assists. So, yes, Jalen Brown has more upside. He has more potential for sure. But does he have potential to be a perennial all-star level player? Because that's what it seems like you're paying him to be or at least make an all-star team. I Especially with Tatum on the team and with Kemba on the team and Hayward trying to come in and prove that he's worth the max money after the injury and everything, trying to get himself back on his feet. I just don't see Jalen Brown ever being worth that kind of money. And all these mouths to feed when you're talking about all those max level players and then Jason Tatum's going to be wanting a max and he's supposed to be the next franchise centerpiece for the Boston Celtics and at some point. It just seems like a mess. Um, and Danny Ainge was really kind of caught in a pickle between we don't want to fully commit to a rebuild. We want to be able to get young talent up in here, but we also want to contend for a championship. So it seems like with that strategy, they were trying to go for like the dynasty. They were trying to be able to be in the finals and, and win, compete for championships while still having a very young team. But now they find themselves with Kyrie Irving gone, with Al Horford gone, they find themselves kind of in no man's land. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Boston Celtics. I really enjoyed the first couple nights in the NBA. I'm looking forward to see how the rest of the season goes. We're going to be on the podcast still uh, grinding for you guys, looking forward to these games and breaking them down. I'm out. Peace.